welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Joining me today, as always, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, Andrew Malcolm at A.H. Malcolm on X, or Twitter as we old folks <laughs> And hey. um, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And how are, how are you, juror number zero? Juror number zero. I was juror number zero. I, I, hey, look, I mean, I was... Uh, I was gold bricking yesterday. I wasn't really gold bricking. I was at the county courthouse, the local county courthouse. And uh, I hadn't had, I hadn't been called for jury duty in I think 18 years. It's either 17 or 18 years. And, um, you know, last time it was clearly it was when I was in Minnesota. This is, I've been in Texas for two years and I got called for jury duty here. And well, that, my- that's pretty quick though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's two kind years. of a lot. Right? Well, couple things. First off, this is not a large county. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the county that I was in had a lot more population. I don't know what, what the actual numbers were, but I would guess it was probably about, about twice the population in Dakota County, Minnesota than, than there is in McLennan County, Texas. Um, and I think that there's just probably more trials going on here for whatever reason. And so you know, I, I got the I got the summons a few weeks ago, and I actually don't mind doing jury service because it's necessary, right? And if you're going to live under the rule of law, you should you, you perform your civic duty every once in a great while when they ask you to, and show up for jury duty and act like you know, <laughs> act like you are appreciative of living under the rule of law. You know, that's <laughs> so. At any rate, the um. I figured, and, and they were asking people as they were going in, can you do all, can you serve all week? And I swear the three of the four people in front of me that I heard the answer to were saying, oh, well, I've got this or I've got that, right? So you asked me and I said, yeah, I can be here all week. Um, I would have gotten, I think there's three days a year for jury duty from my company Then I can just take vacation days. That would have been fine for me. I wouldn't have minded that. And um, so they said, you know, he said, okay, great. So sends me in. And, you know, you'll have to bring in your little filled out card, you know, saying this is who I am and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I fill out the card. You know, I've, I've already filled out the card and I bring it in. I hand it to the guy. There are well over 300 people in this room. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's packed. And I find out that there's four trials starting this week, right? Three criminal trials and one civil trial. So they need four Decent sized jury panels so they can pick 12 jurors for each of these trials. So they're like somewhere between 45 and 65 people for each panel. And so if you add that all up, it's around, they need about 180 uh, people, I think is what it came out to 180 or 190 people. And the the clerk, who's a funny guy, you know, clearly has to do this every Monday. So he's kind of worked on this. He's worked on his routine and he's a pretty funny guy. And he says, well, look, you know, uh, he says, you know, we've got over 300 people here. I actually think it was closer to 400. Then they asked, um, at the very beginning, they asked people, if you've got some sort of impediment, you know, they list the impediments and they say, if you've got some sort of impediment or you need some sort of, or you've got, you think you've got a valid excuse for, from jury duty, come up now. We'll get you guys processed first. I'll tell you whether or not you get to serve and then we'll go on. And he asked the rest of us to be patient. Take about half an hour to get through that part. I'm reading a book, right? And uh, I, uh, so when he gets to it, he says, look, he says, we're going to need about 180 or 180 people, something like that. He says, there's over 300 people in the room now. 
He says, so about 40% of you are probably going to be get off the hook. <laughs> he says, the other 60%, I'm sorry, you're going to be sticking with us for a while. And, um, you know, he's laughing and people are joking. Around. He's joking around about this. And sure enough, they start drawing random for the four different panels. <laughs> and my name never came up. And so at the end of that, they, they do the panels. He says, okay, everybody whose name wasn't called, please raise your hand. So I raised my hand with a bunch of other people. And he says, he says, go out and buy a lottery ticket because today is your lucky day. <laughs> says, wow. Your, your jury service is over. You can go right out the door there and uh, the clerk there will um, will work with you and uh, and finish off your jury service and you're free to go. You don't need to come back. So was, it, was he drawing uh, paper with numbers or names? I think that they were just drawing random cards out of the stack that they had. Oh, uh, I see. Okay, yeah. And so uh, it wasn't by number because they didn't ask us to remember our number. I, I had actually, I had actually memorized my number in case they were going to do that. But so it turns out they were they weren't doing it by number. They were doing it by name. So I think they were just drawing cards out one at a time for these things. And uh, I was among the forty percent that didn't get called. So, you know, I I earned a whopping seven dollars and fifty cents. Well, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty good, Ed. For how many hours? I don't know. I was there about three or four hours, and um, I uh, and they they said, uh, and I'm I'm telling. I was just about to tell. You know, I don't really need the seven fifty. You guys keep it. What? And when we got out there, they said, "You can't tell us to just keep it. We're cutting the checks no matter what. But you can tell us to send the check to a charity of your choice. We've got six qualified charities, most of which are victims' funds." And so I just, he says, but you got to fill the card out. You got to fill it out accurately. Otherwise, if the check shows up in your mailbox, you may as well cash it because it, we can't redo it. So I filled out the card and I checked off a victim's charity and we'll see if I did it right. But if not, <laughs> it's 750 coming to me. I just, you know. Did you, was, get my, did you get my address right on the check, Ed? I did. I did. The Andrew <laughs> Malcolm. The Andrew <laughs> The Andrew Malcolm Fund for Elderly Angry Journalists. <laughs> the Statler and Waldorf Fund. For, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. For 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 you know uh the Eminon's Grease podcasters. That's that's what <laughs> but you know again, you know, it's it's a you know it's a it's an interruption, it's kind of a pain, it's a little bit, you know, it's 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 not necessarily the thing that you want to do. But I was a little disappointed that I didn't get a chance to get through yeah. a voir dire session. I've never, I've never been selected and gone through voir dire. There's a couple of times where I got put on, where I was, my panel was selected for voir dire, but it never, never took place. The one case, my panel was split in two, and they picked the jury from the first, uh, the first half of the panel, so they sent me home. And the second time, it was a, it was going to be a three month trial. It was a civil trial. Going to be a three oh. month trial. Which at the time I was working for some place that I didn't really care much for. And I was thinking, this is going to be great because I'm going to make them pay me while I'm out for three months. And um, that we show up in the morning of voir dire and the judge shows up in the chamber because it was the clerk that was handling it. The judge actually shows up in the chamber. He says, I just want to let you people know that you're, that you've done a great job. You're basically heroes because when you showed up yesterday and this morning, both sides got serious about coming up, to, coming to a, a settlement, and they settled the case this morning while you were sitting in in the room. And it's because you were here that they did that. So, congratulations! 
your <laughs> jury duty is over. We're not going to make you yeah. sit for the panel. And I'm going, no, keep me on. <laughs> keep me on, please. So, yeah. I don't know. It, with with your checkered background, I don't. I don't have to think those lawyers would uh, cancel you out. Well, I mean, again, I, 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 and I said, even if I get to voir dire, I doubt that I actually ever actually be chosen for a jury because they're going to say, "Well, what do you do for a living?" I say, "I write about politics, the law, and court cases." <laughs> from from my completely, you know, my my completely unschooled lay uh, perspective and. <laughs> Guess that they probably would fall over themselves. Both sides would probably fall over themselves trying to get me off that panel. So, <laughs> just fine if that's well, what everybody, everybody in my family got picked, but uh, I, I haven't been. You know, and it's, I, I mean, again, it's it it doesn't bum me out that I didn't get picked, but I would have been fine being there all week and serving on a serving on a jury if I needed to. I, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, maybe next time, maybe next time. Who knows? You can hang in there, Ed. So what did I miss yesterday, Andrew? That's why I got, I got you in here. So I can ask you, what did I miss? Because <laughs> I'll tell you, I wasn't paying a, a darn bit of attention to anything that was happening. I was yeah. enjoying myself reading my book, relaxing. <laughs> oh, that's good for you. Actually, Ed, you didn't miss anything at all. Um, oh, darn it. Uh, yeah, Joe came back. Uh, Joe came back from his latest vacation, um, getting ready to go to India uh, and Singapore. I think again. Um, I don't know. It's the uh, the week before Labor Day, uh, but hang in there because on Friday he's starting another vacation for the holiday. So, well, it's you know. Yeah, some people need a vacation from their vacation. I think that I know. Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden vacation from his vacation from his vacation from his vacation. Um, you know those those guys, like you said about the optics. There he was on the beach, Maui's burning up, and uh, he said no comment. Now later, the White House said, "Well, he didn't hear the question," which we speculated might have been the case. Yes, we did. But but uh, forget about no comment. I, I just, pretending to tan himself on the beach with this old man bod under an umbrella uh, while the Hawaii was burning. I just, it's just a bad image, you know, he could. Well, you could, know, it, uh, this is the thing about politics these days. We were talking a little bit about this just beforehand, right? Which was this politics of engagement. And you've got yes. a great story about governor that you used to work for and how he remembered people and how he trained himself to do that. I mean, I have a, I have another one. I think I've told this one before about Norm Coleman, which apparently I thought it was going to be the first time I met him was actually the second time I'd met him. And he remembered the first time and he remembered my name. And I was like stunned. <laughs> wow. Was, yeah. He was. Yeah, that's amazing. And I talked to his aide afterwards and he goes, he goes, Yeah. He's very good at that, and it's a really good skill to have in politics. He says, "Oh my he's god, really good at it." So, and so you know this because you've seen it up close. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was work. I'll just shorten the version, but I was working for the governor of Montana, who was a prosecutor for many, many years with a ninety-six percent conviction rate. So you want to settle before the trial. Uh, 
we were in a restaurant in Billings, Montana. The waitress comes up to take our order. The governor looks at her. Now, this is 1994. And the governor looks at her and says, we've met, haven't we? And the woman is startled. And she said, yes, yes, we have. And he looks at her and he says, your name is Yvonne. And she nearly faints. And she said, yes, that's right. And he said, we met in the Yellowstone County Courthouse in 1984. So 10 years later, he remembered her name. Now, she is, she is just beyond impressed. And you know she's going to tell everybody in her family, which is the power of names in politics. And he says, but I'm sorry, I don't know your last name. And she says, oh, that's okay. And he gets this twinkle in his eye and he says, but then they didn't tell us the last name of jurors, did they? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, wait, Mike Mansfield, uh, the longest serving Senate Majority Leader. He was ambassador in, in, in uh, Japan. And I came to know him fairly well, uh, even off the record. He was he was a great man, self-made man. And uh, uh, for some reason, he took a liking to us and my family and my daughter, who was adopted from Korea. Uh, and they came over for dinner just before we left Tokyo, the Mansfields did. And he was smitten with the, with the girl. So... Uh, this was probably six, six or seven years later. She was just a little girl then. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, six, oh, it must have been. No, anyway, I forget the time schedule on it, but she was a little girl. And uh, so I'm at the State Department <clears throat> on working on the story and the big kerfluffle and they start clearing the doorway and somebody important is coming. The car pulls up and out gets Mike Mansfield. So I'm standing behind the rope line because I love the man. And and he walks by and he looks over and he sees me and he stops the entourage and he walks over, shakes hands. And he says, oh, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Andy. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, how's that little girl of yours? She should be just about ready for college. And I said, oh, yes, sir. She started last month. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and now... I because because politicians in that era really up till fairly recently yeah yeah really prioritized person to person contact i mean you know it's, it's a winner it's a winner it's such an obvious winner and and they even fake it you know when they when they point out at the crowd they're not pointing at anybody individually but they'll be they'll put their hand in the crowd and move it and then 10 people think they pointed at them uh, it's, right. it's 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 there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it's it's how you get votes in our political system. Uh, and it touches people. You know, it's like, uh, remember the Mean Joe Green Coca-Cola ad? Oh, yeah, um, that was a great ad, too. Yeah, I know. It's the same sort of thing when athletic heroes stop to come over and talk to the Down syndrome kid or whatever. It's just the, it's a nice thing. And it's the proper use, in my mind, of fame. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, that is, uh, it's how you, it, politics. About Use it. Right. I yeah. mean, it's really, it's really the, the science, if you will, or the art of, of human connection. I mean, I talk about this in my book, 
I was, gonna, I was just about to say, gee, it'd be nice if somebody would write a book about this. But wait, I can see it in the corner. Yeah. But, you know, Barack Obama was good at that. He built an organization that kind of did it in his stead, which when you're running for president is necessary because you can't. It's not like running for mayor. You know, <laughs> can't go out right. and greet Although people. Chicago politics work that way. Sure. Yeah. Oh, the machine does it magnificent. Or they did. I don't know about today, but. I don't know that anybody does it magnificently today, and I don't know that it's valued. I mean, you take a look at the reaction to the debate, and you've got a great column up today. Um, well, not today, yesterday, I think, or maybe Sunday about the debate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, we can, we'll certainly get into a little bit about what we thought of the debate itself, but look at the reaction to the debate. Um, now, I think that voters had a pretty good take on who won, who lost. And I say that because it more or less matched up with my own. Oh. <laughs> well, obviously they're intelligent. They're, smart. They're, they're obviously really smart about this, except that I, Ramaswamy came in second and I thought he had a terrible debate, but that's a, that's a different topic. He was engaged though. Um, whereas some of the other ones weren't, and that matters in the debate, but some of the criticism of Ron DeSantis and to a certain extent, Nikki Haley, too, who I both thought had good, a really good debate night, especially for first time out. Well, they were too stiff. Well, they were they they were, you know, they 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 didn't have anything. You know, they didn't excite the crowd. Ramaswamy, of course, did. In in both directions. And I'm thinking to myself and I, I, I tweeted about this later. It's like, who cares if there is who cares if they're stiff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> answering the questions correctly. Um, both of them, although I think DeSantis much more, referred back to their own records as governors. I think Haley didn't do it often enough. She really needs to work that in more. Uh, but DeSantis certainly did. Every single answer he gave was, look, this is what I did in Florida. Yeah. And that's the reason why it worked and it's the reason why it connected with people. But people are saying, oh, he's too stiff. Oh, you know, he's he, he doesn't have enough charisma. It's like, Look, I'm not going to discount charisma. Charisma helps in politics. There's no doubt about that. But I, I'm not voting for entertainer yeah. chief. And yeah, I, that's right. Exactly, Ed. That is where this has been disconnected, right? Because it's yeah. one thing to have charisma. And I, I, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to discount charisma. And, and But it's not about those connections anymore. It's, and when they talk about charisma, they're not talking about Mike Mansfield, and they're talking about Norm Coleman having right. good one-on-one -on -one engagement, knowing who people are, giving a damn about you know what they what they give a damn about. They're talking about entertainment. They want somebody to entertain. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's the price you pay for television. Okay, television wasn't in politics until the 1952 national conventions, which were both in Chicago. And they were both held at the International Amphitheater because there was so much equipment uh, that they just put it up in one place and the parties agreed to go to the same place. Uh, and very, not quickly, but eventually politicians figured it out. Remember that great picture of John Edwards combing his hair before a debate? Uh, it, it became a TV debates became entertainment and it became the priorities were how do you look not do you have any substance i this is i've written about this this is so revealing to me accidentally the 1960 debate i was already in the politics ed 
<laughs> but I was I was in a smoky, uh, noisy rec room in prep school, uh, and there was only one television. And so I couldn't hear what they were saying. So I crouched down next to the TV. I didn't watch it. I heard it. And I came away saying, well, clearly Nixon schlockered Kennedy. I mean, there's just no way about it on substance. Be having been vice president and a senator, and here's this new guy from Massachusetts. And the next day, the media was all full of, oh, my God, Kennedy won. And the reason he won was because Nixon was sweating. He, he disdained makeup. He had a five o'clock shadow. He didn't look good. Well, the yeah. priorities, yeah, the priorities get skewed by television. And you can see it when now that with the college football started, you can see it, the cameras at the games uh, during some timeout, the cameras will pan the stadium. And as the pan goes by all the uh, spectators, they all react like the wave. This television turns them on to get on television. There's something magic about television that makes people do goofy things. Yeah, it's and called narcissism. <laughs> it's called what? Not, it's called narcissism. And I'm yeah. not immune to it either. <laughs> I mean, there is. I mean, but it's, it's, a, it's a look at me thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and so these debates are not really if you read the Lincoln Douglas debates, well, you'll fall asleep. But if you read the the rough transcripts of the Lincoln Douglas debates in 1848, you, you see. Um, or was it 58? Anyway, um, you will see. Yeah, it had to be 58 because the Republican Party hadn't started like 48. So. Um, You'll you'll see. I mean, it's really boring. And I have, and we can play it sometime if you want. Right in this drawer, I have a disc of the earliest recordings of presidents, and you can hear their voices and their accents. Uh, and the way they talk is very grandiloquently with clauses yeah. and so on. It's because they're talking to just maybe the first 50 people in front of them. There might be 5,000 people there. They can't hear anything. There's no loudspeakers. So uh, it's now changed, and they have to talk in short bursts. They, you know, we coach politicians. It used to be a 20-second soundbite. Now they're eight seconds if you're lucky. So you got to have your message of the day, and you got to say it very succinctly. And hopefully the, the producer will pick that one out to show on the TV. Uh, so it's all about showbiz. And, and you know, they talk about the ratings. 13 million people watched it. Ooh, wow. Like you said, it, it, the questions in the debates. Okay, how do you, uh, Mr. Uh, Senator, how do you propose to get world peace? You have 30 seconds. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's get real. And then the buzzer goes off and the crowd starts to boo. I mean, it's just. It's got nothing to do with being president uh, or judging the skills of being president. So in your column, you take sort of an interesting approach to this, which is, and I think it's a smart approach, which is don't go for winners and losers. I mean, I think people help themselves and I think people either didn't help themselves or hurt themselves in that debate. And I think one of the biggest winners of that debate is somebody who doesn't have a prayer of being <laughs> the nominee, but who clearly was having a very good time on stage. And that was Chris Christie. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was the most relaxed, most comfortable in his own skin, 
pretty much, you know, I, I, I call it, I, I think I called it in one post, the DGAF um, mode. Christy was in DGAF, which is don't give a fudge. <laughs> don't give a fudge. Mode. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I think what you were landing on, something I was trying to get to as well when I did the, the next morning um, analysis of this was to take a look at the strategies that each one of these employed and talk about how well it worked and, you know, how it contrasted. Um, that's something you do in your uh, VIP post uh, from, from Sunday. And on that basis, what did the debate tell you about where this race is going to go? It told me that it's a long road for Ron DeSantis. It told me that uh, Nikki Haley really knows her stuff. Uh, it told me that uh, the Swami is uh, is dealing in catchphrases and and uh, I see he was asking he was on uh, on Hardball uh, the other day and he was asking him, well, who do you think I should vote for for Democrat? Oh yeah, yeah, that was from two thousand three. It was a um, yeah. yeah, it was. A, I mean, I had that in the headlines today. I saw it last night where um, he was. He was 18 years old, I think, at a. Um... Yeah, so he's not. But, you know, Trump, Trump was a donor for Hillary Clinton and uh, uh, had her to his wedding. Uh, it's it's. These guys go back and forth and, and I, you know, companies want to play both sides because they want to have access. And that's the way you get access is is big, big donations. It works. It works like a charm. So. Uh, uh, let's see. Chris Christie, like you said, he doesn't give a fudge. Um, the others, oh, I see Suarez, he wasn't on the debate, but he's already dropped out. I think maybe on the next debate, Bergam and uh, Hutchison uh, won't make the cut. We'll see. Um, so yeah, either one of them really. I mean, I thought Bergam had a couple of nice moments early on, but I think he ran out of gas and it might be related to the fact that he injured his leg the day before. Yeah. Pain. I felt bad for the guy, but yeah. while he was in the mix in the first yeah. hour, I thought he was. I thought I was actually a little impressed with him. I thought he was. No, he is. Yeah, he's like Americans like. I mean, especially Republicans, they like executives, whether they're business executives or state exec, chief executives, governors, and whatever. Democrats, they kind of go for the maneuvering legislators, and I think every Democrat ticket since 1928 has had a senator or a congressman as uh, uh, as the vice presidential candidate. And if you go if you go through the list, except for um, what was his Dukakis, uh, they kind of go for uh, for senators. Remember? Um, yeah. Mondale. I think, last, I think he was the last one who was a non-senator, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Gore was, but Gore was vice president, but he was yeah, senator. he was he was coming off vice president. They don't and have Mike was vice president, but he was a, he was a senator for for decades. Prior right. Yeah, right. They're very yeah. they're very Washington centric. I think is a, is a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, they are, and um, to me that's kind of boring and suspicious because uh, it's kind of the in crowd. I like governors who've actually done things, and governors are much closer to the state uh, to the voters in their states than um than representatives are uh and uh, at one point 
it wasn't just a little long ago, maybe two years ago, three years ago, uh, 34 of the 50 governors were Republicans. Uh, governor Republicans usually do very well at the state level. Um, so uh, DeSantis and Texas and, and all those places um, uh, are uh, Tennessee. So there, but I, I was taken with that um, Trump's strategy, he wasn't at the debate, but his strategy clearly is that he's the hare in the tortoise and the hare race, and, and he can take a night off and maybe all the debate nights off um, because we know him. And, and the truth is, if you don't know Trump, then you don't deserve to vote. I mean, uh, we, we, he, <laughs> he kind of dominates the media. And I think it's refreshing to see to have the other candidates get a little oxygen uh, in the in the race, and people can see uh, what they stand for and how they behave. You know, once again, we get back to appearances, but how they act under the pressure and the lights. Well, and, I don't think that behavior is appearances, right? I mean, I think behavior is, to a certain extent, substantive. I mean, it's one yeah. thing to have good hair. It's clear, clearly, I'm never. <laughs> I will never be president. I, I mean, I think Eisenhower was the last bald president we had anyway. But I mean, and, yeah. and that, was, that, that was just because he was such a massively respected person after World War II, right? I mean, right. Uh, but, you know, I, I, to me. Now, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. To me, behavior at least relates to substance. And that's one of the reasons why Trump is such a problem, right? It's because because his behavior is childish. It's continuously yeah. childish. I mean, the yeah. name calling, um, you know, the 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 denigration of people just simply because they disagree with him. I mean, it's really playground stuff, and it's be but it's popular. So Ramaswamy tried that and ended up getting his ears boxed by Nikki Haley, especially, but. <laughs> I actually, and Nikki Haley did a good job. Of she did, yeah, she did. But Chris Christie was the <laughs> was the first guy who really nailed him on the chin by calling him the Chat GPT candidate because all he was doing was regurgitating these really, you know, sort of silly, ambiguous talking points. He, I mean, he yeah. wasn't really explaining his strategy. And he certainly doesn't have any experience to talk about these things. Um, other than just calling everybody else on the stage sellouts and saying, I'm the only person here who can, who is, right. independent of, you know, is, um, yeah. the, it, and, and I thought Christie, I thought that was the line of the night, frankly, that and for Christie, what I get the UFO question is because I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> That was pretty. That was pretty funny. And then Mike Pence had a good laugh line too, which was, you know, they were talking about cognitive tests for president. And they asked Mike Pence the question. I think it went to somebody else beforehand and somebody gave a serious answer. It was like, no, I just trust voters. Voters should be able to, to, to determine who's, you know, compass mentis enough to, to handle the office. And they asked Mike Pence and Mike Pence says, well, actually, I think everybody in Washington should be forced to take a <laughs> and which was actually his best moment of the night because he was kind of weird, right? I want to talk about Mike Pence's strategy with you. Yeah. He was, on one hand, Mike Pence has this habit of sort of becoming a preacher on stage. 
and it's it's more genuine for him than it was for Ted Cruz eight years ago because it drove everybody nuts about Ted Cruz. It's a little bit more genuine for Mike Pence, but it's also really <laughs> kind of sanctimonious. I know that that's yeah yeah on DeSantis, but it's kind of sanctimonious. Well. I know that I was reflecting. <laughs> Mike, just he's, he's a more genuine guy than that. He's actually a genuine, likable guy. And if he would just be himself a little bit more often, I think he'd do better. But then he turned into mean Mike Pence by starting the fight with Ramaswamy. Because I went back and checked the transcript, and he's the one who started that fight uh, by saying, uh, let me explain this to you, and I'll use small words so you can... <laughs> <laughs> where did where did mean mike pence come from well yeah but that yeah but you got to show you got to show a little spark a little spunk yes. you got to be willing to to fight for it well i mean you um, expect that from chris christie right because that's kind of his yeah, normal, yeah that's like, right he, you know he and he doesn't do it the way trump does it he usually tries to keep it fairly professional right he's just pugnacious he's not He's not a grade school. He's New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey. Uh, well, Trump is Queens. I mean, I mean, that's part of the. That's right. Trump is Queens. I mean, that's kind of the authentic Queens sort of thing. Yeah. Pence is not Queens. Pence is not Brooklyn. Pence is not the Bronx. Pence is Indiana. <laughs> okay. That's right. Um, and it just didn't suit him well. Um, and you can be. Um, you can have a spark without being insulting. At least you used to be able to. Yeah, um, you used to, but it takes some cleverness, takes some imagination, and it takes a willingness to risk something rhetorically. And they don't all have it, and that speaks to their confidence and their personality. And people, I think, should factor that in. Um, it's, uh, yeah, debates are have become disappointing, but... Uh, I actually thought that this wasn't too bad. It yeah. was. It had all the same flaws, right? Too short a time period, too much um, personal invective, mostly around Ramaswamy. But I, like you, thought that this was actually a pretty good look at how the strategies are going to be. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I think, that and it it speaks. For instance, it's a long road for Ron DeSantis. He's longer run for Haley, but yes, I mean, I think yeah, but she's she's um argumentative and she's got some foreign policy experience, and and, uh, she went after uh Ramaswamy uh on that and shows your your naivete, and and it's not good. Uh, DeSantis, uh, he's got to make people aware nationally of what Floridians know intuitively about his individual day-to-day accomplishments as governor, which are many, uh, and his attitude, his conservative uh, bona fides. Um, and you don't do that with an ad. You can help. but uh, So that's going to take a while. He's got, I think, until the holidays to let people, uh, to be in so many positions, to let people see and hear his accomplishments and who he is. Uh, they already know Trump. They're coming to know Haley. Um, and um, uh, so it's it's up to DeSantis to convince people. To, 
But it, and that's tricky. I did this with my governor when I was working with him in, in, in Montana. We set up an endless series of opportunities for the world to see you in a good light. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, every month, my governor, we, he went to a, to a um, what do you call it, Head Start program. And he would read. He would read like a story time. And he's uh, there was one picture that the, the he's sitting on the floor on the floor the governor of Montana uh, on the floor reading and he's got uh, two or three kids in his lap and looking over his shoulder at the book and there's one uh, kid giving him a wet willy in the ear <laughs> and 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 he but he's not distracted at all he's really focused on the reading part. And and his pant leg was up, so you could see above his socks. And there was a photographer there from the Billings Gazette. And I said, gee, is that a picture? And the guy goes, oh, yeah. And he took a picture. And it was on the front page of the Billings Gazette the next day of the governor being a dad. And um, <laughs> the chief of staff came in the next morning. She said, uh, were you responsible for the for the that? awful picture on the front of the Billings Gazette. I said, well, no, that was their photographer took the picture. I mean, what, what do you what do you think? Uh, I can't tell the media what to do. I can suggest this. And she said, well, this just was so ungovernment. Now, she she didn't have children, so she didn't expect or didn't, uh, I think, appreciate the dad side of, of the picture. Uh, so she left, and I immediately called up, and I called the Associated Press, and I said, did you see the Gazette picture of the governor sitting on the floor? <laughs> and they said, no, really? We'll get it. And they sent it out. And, of course, every paper in Montana ran the picture um, because it's a good picture, and it speaks – and it's it, – genuine it spoke to who he was right i mean he had a, he had a costume for every halloween he came out and we made that uh an element of mystery what who will the governor be in his costume this halloween and kids uh, started out with two or three hundred but by the second year we had thousands of kids coming for candy at the governor's house on halloween because i mean he's a dad and he got a kick out of it and he had uh Boy, he had uh, he he had four, five, five kids. So, uh, so anyway, uh, but that's the importance of appearance these days, and I think a lot of it has to do with television. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I have to I have to correct something I said earlier, and this is important. Okay, Ed. All right, here we go. This is important. You know, I said that. You know, Mike Pence wasn't authentically Indianan in that moment, right? It was more like him trying to be Queens, him trying to be Brooklyn. Well, I, I've been corrected on that. The Messenger um, reports um, on an Indiana man who was charged with attempted murder um, <laughs> after he allegedly attacked a co-worker with a hammer at a sheet metal factory, uh, reportedly displaying total apathy for the incident when asked about it on the way out the door. Um Witnesses said that August 20th, Austin Hahn, 27, walked up to a co-worker from behind and swung a hammer at him multiple times. Hahn's other colleagues claimed that he then calmly disposed of the hammer before exiting into the parking lot. Maintenance workers said that Hahn tapped him on the chest and said, shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the co-worker survived, but had several oh, yeah. skull. And he's on Jeez. He's been arrested for attempted murder, but... Um... <laughs> 
I, I take it back, Mike. You might have been authentically Indiana, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a tough crowd there in Indiana. It is rough, man. It, yeah. You know, that's that's maybe that's more Gary Indiana-ish than yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's the Central Time Zone. That's not the Eastern part of of, of up, Indiana. It's up, up on the. <laughs> you know who else is from Indiana? Who else is from Indiana? Wendell Wilkie. Remember uh, him? Yes. 1940. By the way, that took place in Indianapolis. So, you know, and obviously. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. There are weird people everywhere, but, you know. Blame, blame that on Tony Katz. Yeah. Which reminds me, I gotta call Tony. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta talk to Tony sometime this week. So, uh, a good reminder for me to make sure. That okay, I- well, that's what I try to do, Ed. I try to be helpful for all of our listeners, including you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And by the way, we're just about out of time, but it's time for the jokes of the day. Do you have any good well, jokes? I have, I have a couple. Um, these are all old. Conan O'Brien. Uh, he said, John McCain says people are so angry about America's future. He sees a revolution coming. McCain says he had the same feeling in 1776. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and um, uh, Seth Myers, he, he said, uh, uh, Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang has qualified for the next two Democratic primary debates, while another Democrat candidate, John Delaney, has qualified to save 15% on his car insurance. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I got a couple for you here. Okay, uh, Ed. Hit gotta, gotta give credit to jokesofthedaynet uh, once again. A couple of them from there today. A guy and a girl meet at a bar. They get along so well, they decided to go back to, to the girl's place. And they have a few drinks. He takes off his shirt and washes his hands. Then he takes off his trousers and washes his hands. Then he takes off the rest of his clothes and washes his hands. And the girl says, oh, you must be a dentist. He says, yeah, how'd you figure that out? She says, well, you keep washing your hands. So after that, one thing leads to another, and they make love. And after they're done, she says, wow, you must be a good dentist. And the guy says, "Uh, well, sure, I'm a good dentist. How did you figure that out? She says, well, I didn't feel a thing. Oh, Oh. ouch. Yeah, that's that's ouch. All right. Another one, only a little bit cleaner. <laughs> the first day of school, all the children bring, you know, gifts for their teacher. You know, Flora's son brought teacher a bouquet of flowers. Candy store owner's uh, daughter gives the, the, the teacher a big box of candy. The liquor store owner's son brought up a big, heavy box. The teacher lifted it up and noticed that it was leaking a little bit from the bottom. She touched a drop of the liquid with her finger and tasted it. And she goes, uh, is it wine? And he goes, no. She goes, well, is it champagne? He goes, no, it's a puppy. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. All right. Well, that uh, that just about wraps it up for this for this week's episode of Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And I think it's a good time to wrap up. I think I think on that one, yeah, I think that was a pretty good one to wrap up on. All right, Andrew Malcolm, the Prince of Twitter, the Regent of RedState.com. You can find him on Twitter, not X, not X, not X. 
at A.H. Malcolm. And uh, you can also just go to redstate.com and you can find out all of his great VIP contributions over there. Andrew, have yourself a great week. We'll get together after Labor Day for the next episode. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Have a good long weekend. You absolutely. <laughs>